Empower Radio presents the Dr. Julie Show, all things connected. Break through the illusion of separation, explore the infinite field of possibility, and make connections that inspire. Now, here's your host, Dr. Julie Crawl. Hello and welcome everyone. You are listening to the Dr. Julie Show, all things connected. Each week we gather right here to make connections that break through the illusion of separation. And today we continue our new series called Codes for a Healthy Earth, Cultivating Peace with all of life. We are interviewing several global leaders to discuss personal, cultural, and planetary health and how whole systems health can create a pathway to peace on earth. People of all cultures and ages are rising up around the world to demand a fundamental transformation of how we organize ourselves as a species. What if... Imagine this. What if humanity were to align in mass around the understanding that our individual and collective purpose in the world is to contribute to the healthy evolution of all life? We already have the knowledge, skills, ideas, technologies, and resources, as well as wise service-based leadership to effectively address, align, and organize effectively for whole systems healing and transformation. So what would it mean if we organized ourselves around our capacity to protect and cultivate the health and vitality of the planet and all its inhabitants for generations to come. I invite you to open your mind and heart and settle into your essential wholeness as I introduce our guest. Dr. Shelley Ostroff is an author, activist, artist, leadership consultant, and social entrepreneur focused on initiating and supporting whole systems healing processes on a global level. She is the founder of Together in Creation and Seven Days of Rest, which are both platforms and initiatives dedicated to the healing and replenishment of the planet. And now she is one of the co-initiators of the Codes for a Healthy Earth. And I'm so happy to present this series to you and to bring Shelly back to talk about something very specific within the codes. So welcome back, Shelly. Thank you, Julie. It's good to be here again. Mm. Well, thank you. You know, after our first conversation, it was evident to me that we needed to go deeper into one aspect of, of our conversation and talk about the Vitality Code. But first, in order to really ground our conversation, I'm going to go backwards to one of our traditions here. I love to ground this conversation in the whole worldview. And our traditional first question feels like it emerges from the same consciousness as the vitality code of what we're talking about today. So let's go back there, Shelly, and say, what can you share with our listeners about what all things connected means to you? So um, I love the question because it does mean so much. And today, I think for me, the focus would be on just 
considering to what extent our health and vitality is interconnected with the health and vitality of all parts of creation, uh, all parts of our planetary system, all species, each other, and to move beyond a personalized or uh, concept of health and vitality to uh, to an eco, an ecological one, to an ecosystem one, really understanding that uh, we function as one living system and that um, our personal and planetary health are absolutely interconnected. Mm. Well, we are going to talk a lot about that interconnectivity in this show today, and we're going to talk a lot about shifting from a human center to an eco-center, but I, I want to drop this question in early because it was fascinating to me as I was preparing for this show, Shelley, <laughs> I found myself using the words, our inherent capacity. So when I was typing and, and preparing and I, I asked, what would it mean if we organized ourselves around our inherent capacity to protect and cultivate the health and vitality of the planet? and all its inhabitants. And I was putting that in the intro and then I stopped and I paused on that word, our inherent, the inherent, mm -hmm. I, I left capacity, our capacity in there. And I thought, this is an important question before we dig into the vitality code. I'd love to hear you speak about this. Is it our inherent capacity? Is this an inherent thing or do we have or we don't have the inherent capacity to protect and cultivate the health. To me, it seems like it has to be inherent in there <laughs> somewhere. So it's a really important question. Mm. Is it inherent or is it not an inherent capacity? Um, gosh, uh, you know, I don't think anybody knows the answer to that, but I definitely sense like you that it is an inherent capacity. And when I sense into nature, um, I feel that uh, I feel that it is part of our DNA. And so the vitality code really speaks to this inherent capacity because that is the capacity of nature to in its um, original form to protect and cultivate the health and vitality of life. And as part of nature, I feel that it's in our, in our encoding and the vitality code is a clue to that inherent capacity. Mm, yes. Okay. So this is a great lead into the vitality code. It's a term for nature's primary code and principles of self-organizing, like you said, and self-regulating and, and really creating a thriving interconnected living system. I, I love how you've named this vitality code. What specifically do you consider the vitality code? Mm. Let's, let's dig into that. So when I started sensing into the vitality code, it came from the question of how does nature organize itself? Um, how does nature in all its complexity organize itself? I see human beings struggling with uh, concepts of leadership and followership and hierarchy and systems that are disconnected from each other. And um, when you go back to nature, it feels that there's a different organizing principle that enables life to thrive. And that principle, that code, uh, when you sense into it more, becomes a very simple uh, principle. It's the, the vitality code for me is nature's code of ensuring that every part of the system, 
receives precisely what it needs in order to manifest its unique potential in mutual nourishment with a whole. So that, that encoding uh, is part of our DNA. It's how our body functions. It's how ecosystems function. It works according to, um, to the codes of nourishment, which is so foundational to life. And when we go back to the foundational principles of life, you see that all life is really organized around the food cycle, around the nourishment cycle. And that in that nourishment cycle, there is a magnificently exquisite intelligence about how energy moves through the system, how everything is in reciprocity, how everything is in this symbiotic, mutually nourishing engagement between the part and the whole. Um, so what is waste for one is nourishment for another. And this is um, this you can see throughout the natural world. And that human beings in some ways have disconnected from this uh, foundational code, um, probably for very important evolutionary reasons, in order to come back to it with greater wisdom. And it feels like the time right now is to revisit this concept of organizing ourselves according to these primary codes of nature and what that would look like so that we can realign with that inherent vitality that is the, that, that is part of our thriving world and part of the healthy evolution of life. Mm. I really appreciate how you said we come, we went away from it, but now to come back to it with greater wisdom. I really appreciate you dropping that in. Thank you. So mm. let's go deeper into the mutual nourishment with the whole. I think that that concept, because we have traveled so far away from that mutual nourishment, mutual enrichment, mutual replenishing. You talk about nurturing and nourishing and replenishing um, as an important part of this life cycle. What's our part in it? And can you give us some examples of what you mean by mutual nourishment with the whole? Because we can talk about mutual nourishment with one another, but when you bring in with the whole, it really it advances the conversation much farther, mm -hmm. much bigger. Yes. Um, when I ask these kinds of questions, I always look to the human body and to nature to try and get clues of how it works. So if you think about each organ of the body, each part of the body, it doesn't exist for itself alone. It exists for the whole system and is nourished by the whole system. It's not a one-on-one -on -one mutual replenishment. It's not a bartering system. It's, um, it's an interconnected system of diverse uh, parts that function as a coherent whole, each with a unique function, each being nourished by the whole and each nourishing the whole. And uh, the whole is bigger than the sum of the parts. So um, the idea is that, you know, we all come with individual talents to the world um, and that these talents don't really belong to us. If we function uh, as life does, the bee does not patent its uh, capacities for pollination and hold us ransom to it. It provides uh, pollination and the, um, for the whole system and in turn is, in turn is nourished by that system. Um, so when, you know, in our uh, recent uh, or not so recent history, we've come to really think as individuals or as tribes. 
and put self and and conceive of ourselves as isolated and then look after ourselves and use our talents for our own benefit you know patent our inventions and um accumulate fortunes on the basis of you know what is given to us by the system and nourished by the system and that goes against uh, the um, the principles of life itself. So when we extend our understanding from the human-centered concept and understand just to what extent we are nourished by the whole, which is the air and the water and the um, sun and the planets and uh, the animals and the trees and the plants, um, and yet we treat all of this as uh, as our right rather than as um, as a benefit that we get for being on the planet at this time and uh, as part of our contract of mutual nourishment and uh, and uh, co-evolution. Um, so the vitality code, looking at that larger system of which we part and looking at our function within that larger system and recognizing the extent to which uh, we are dependent on this whole system functioning um, coherently uh, with each part playing its unique function, we become more aware that we also have a unique function and the least we can do is not do harm to it. And, in, and the most we can do is offer our talents for maximum benefit for the whole. And then the questions, the creative questions that come up how to do that um, bring in uh, so many rich solutions to many of the problems that we're facing today. Mm. Okay, let's pause there. This is really beautiful and um, as well evocative. Like literally this one idea is important to just muse in for a moment that our unique gifts and talents are important to be really uh, a part of the, the whole system right? The whole system health that I, I love how you, you say that the, you know, the bee doesn't patent, put a patent on, on pollination. And like, that's what we've done. I even shared a post on um, social media the other day. Um, somebody did this beautiful post that said, um, I don't remember who, what water company doesn't produce water. They produce plastic bottles. And, and so, you know, here they are, like you mentioned, if we're doing this um, and not harming the whole system, it's one thing, but we're literally creating, we're using our talents and our gifts in a very human-centered way on the planet that is about self-benefit, um, not the co-evolution that you mentioned on the planet. So I, I'm wondering, this is a an important piece. It's like a wake-up call. Like I said, it's evocative, Shelley. It's like, <laughs> oh, you mean the American dream of where we take our gifts and our talents and we, you know, make a huge corporation out of it that, that makes us a gazillionaire isn't the right path? How might this look because you bring this beautiful framework for the vitality code in understanding our relationship with the foundations of life and understanding our relationship with our basic needs and it doesn't mean that we starve 
or that we live in poverty or that we can't do amazing things with our gifts. Mutual nourishment means something very different. I'm wondering if you could help us unpack that with the the idea that we are all called to bring our unique gifts and talents forward for the good of the whole. What does that really look like for the humans listening to this conversation? Hmm. Um, you know, I feel just the richness of the question and what if we all ask that question? So I can give a partial answer, but I feel like that's exactly the discussion that we all need to be having is mm. what uh, what does it mean? And that discussion, that question to really be the catalyzing uh, process for how we organize ourselves differently. So first, it means accepting and understanding the fact that um, we that the foundations um, of life are one of mutual nourishment, where we have disconnected from them and how it would look if we organize differently to understand that our talents uh, are there for the benefit of the whole and that we are constantly benefiting from others' talents and not only others' humans' talents. And that actually when we do bring our gifts to the whole, um, we will probably thrive a lot more than when we do it just for personal benefit because our current system is based on uh, what I call a leeching mentality. It extracts value without giving back value. And so you actually uh, paradoxically or not so paradoxically depleting the very system that nourishes you. Um, so you can hoard and you can hoard and you can hoard, but ultimately what you're doing is you're, um, you're undermining the very foundations from which you can continue to receive from. So when each of us organize as nature does um, and um, find our true colors, find that uh, radiant diversity uh, where we're aligned with our unique gifts in service and give to the whole all that we can, we realize that when everybody's giving to the whole, there's more than what we need and abundance for everybody. That's how nature thrives. Um, you know, even in the um, even in the animal kingdom and among the predators, the paradoxical part is that where the apex uh, species thrive, uh, where the predators thrive, those animals that they eat on actually thrive because there's an almost like this contract that the apex predator creates the conditions in which all the diversity in the system can thrive and we tend to look at it through human-centered eyes and see it as something that is uh, cruel or something that is imbalanced but actually and but actually that mutual nourishment the Animals feed the apex predator and the apex predator creates the conditions for all to thrive. Now, I'm not saying that humans need to be predate in the same way, but if we can learn uh, something from nature about that constant giving and receiving, um, I think that we'll evolve considerably. Mm. Okay, so th that's a beautiful example. And I agree with you. We all need to start having these conversations begin or continue having these conversations about what might that look like. And so for humans to thrive, the I'm just going to go backwards for a minute for for humans to thrive, the entire planetary ecosystem must thrive. Mm -hmm. And 
it, it sounds rather simplistic and yet it's incredibly genius to really ensure that a global culture of, of peace and whole system health and planetary purpose should focus on the entire biosphere. We have to think about earth, water, fire, air, climate, biodiversity, and the web of life if we're really going to thrive. And mm -hmm. so how might, what might be, um, a first beginning step, if someone's listening right now, Shelly, and they're like, okay, I get that. I'm okay. I can, I can understand that for, for me to thrive, the whole planetary ecosystem must thrive. What might a listener sitting in a small town somewhere on the planet right now, where might they begin? Hmm. So, wow, that's an amazing question. Um, just feeling into that, I feel like the first question I would ask myself is what do, what are my real needs? To, what do I really need in order to thrive? And a, mm. when one goes deeply into that question, one realizes that it's not a consumerist answer. And that in order to get to the depths and the truth of what one needs, one needs to really relearn and begin to question fundamental belief systems of what we are taught at school through the conditioning of culture. Um, to ask, do we need a bigger car? Do we need another cell phone? Do we need to upgrade this? Do we need uh, a few more likes on Facebook? Um, and most of those answers will feel dissonant to the to the true self. So I think that, you know, Viktor Frankl wrote that book about um, uh, meaning and man's search for meaning. And I think that we really, really thrive when we find meaning in contributing to the whole. And that that has been very suppressed in our system when we have tried to uh, standardize the idea of success and beauty and intelligence. The vitality code in a way goes, it comes in stark contrast to the standardization and this monochromatic, monoculture, monoagriculture, um, branded society. It comes to, to really engage with a, with a self in a much different way um, and to begin to look at um, what would we look like if we were to live our, if we were to discover and live our real needs, what do I need to let go of? And what do I need to bring into my life? Mm -hmm. um, those are very, very powerful questions. And I, I think that in the busyness of today's society, we, we forget to even ask ourselves that question. So it's, there's a lot of noise and a lot of perversion of the concept of needs. Um, and I think it's really to go back to the question of what gives you meaning in life and what are your talents that you would like to offer and what do you need in order to be able to evolve those talents in a way that is nourishing to yourself. Hmm. Uh, my whole body just expanded and opened with that idea. And I really appreciate you bringing in the idea of meaning into this conversation when we're talking about our needs because we're not talking about our wants and if we align our needs 
with truly what brings meaning to our life, I think it does create a different roadmap for us. And most anyone listening um, can look at, you know, those like, like you brought in that, do I need the new cell phone? Do I need, you know, that new car? Do I need that expensive business suit? When we think about what, what do we really need? And then we align our basic needs with greater meaning. Um, that's, that's a whole different idea of the conversation. I want to bring that more in after the break because it's to me, um, there's another part of this that I'd love to hear you answer because often we think so global, we don't see how our individual gifts connect with global crises. So there's this gap here. So I want to talk about that. We're going to talk about the exquisite efficiency of this system, energy management, so much more. But we're going to take a quick break. I want to read this quote to you um, because it kind of summarizes our first half here. And then we're going to take a quick break and come back with so much more on these questions and this idea of meaning. So as we self-organize in alignment with the vitality code, we learn to attend to all parts of the biosphere, people, animals, rivers, soil, social systems, ecosystems, climate, etc., ensuring that each receive precisely what they need to play their unique role in our interdependent web of life. You're listening to the Dr. Julie Show. I'm Julie Kroll. We'll return very shortly with Dr. Shelley Ostroff and the Vitality Code. My dad came to live with us last month, and you know, it's going pretty well. I feel like I never have time for myself. With him being around more, it really lets us catch up on things. His memory isn't what it used to be. We get up and we have coffee. He usually wakes up at 4.30. Then we go for a walk. He needs lots of my attention. I do need to keep an eye on his medications, though. That's important. Sometimes I feel like a pharmacist. I'd say John and the kids are adjusting pretty well. They honestly have no idea what I'm going through. It can be a little challenging. Help. But so far, so good. I could really use just a little help. For those dealing with the daily struggles of caring for a loved one, we hear you. That's why AARP created a community with experts and other caregivers for advice, tips, and support. Together, let's help each other better care for ourselves and the ones we love. Visit aarp.org caregiving. A public service announcement brought to you by AARP and the Ad Council. When I have an asthma attack, I feel scared. It's kind of like an elephant is on my chest. I feel like I'm choking. Sometimes my parents have to take me to the hospital. You know how to react to their asthma attacks. Here's how to prevent them. Visit www.noattacks.org or call your doctor. Because even one attack is one too many. I feel like a fish with no water. Brought to you by the EPA and the Ad Council. There's hundreds of fun and simple things you and your family can do to live a healthier lifestyle. Here's 20 of them. 
Walk to work. Walk the dog. Have the dog walk you. Take a hike. Take a bike. Skate. Dance. Hop. Jump. Do the Humpty Hump. Skip seconds. Skip dessert. Skip, skip, skip to my loop. Don't skip breakfast. Drink H2O. Lower your sodium. Raise the roof. Shake your booty. Stock up on vegetables. And don't forget to eat them. <sighs> Search We Can online to find more ways you and your family can get healthy together. A message from the Ad Council, HHS, and NIH's We Can program. Hello, I'm Regina of Romancing Your Soul. I live in the middle of Los Angeles, California, the second largest city in the United States. One evening, I looked out my back kitchen window to see a possum on the steps. At first, I thought it was a cat. Then the familiar tail came into view, and I knew exactly what it was. I was thrilled. I love animals of all kind. I feel so alive when among nature. Animals are a part of me, and I am a part of them. The possum stayed on my back steps for a few hours. I kept coming back into the kitchen to check. It felt comforting to have it there. My beloved nature was so close. You and I are only a single part of life on earth. Devote a part of each day to quietly immersing yourself in the natural world. Allow your heart to expand as you merge with other forms of life. Allow your mind to become quiet. Let nature romance your soul. Because what you cherish, you love. What you love, you respect. What you respect, you will protect. Many blessings to you always. Adding light to the world, one heart at a time. This is Empower Radio. Now, back to the Dr. Julie Show. All things connected on Empower Radio. Welcome back. Hey, if you're inspired by our conversation today, I invite you to share it with others and perhaps listen to it again. You can do that by visiting my website at thedrjulieshow.com, where you'll find all the archives as well as a listing of upcoming guests. Again, that's thedrjulieshow.com. Also stay connected all week on my Facebook page, All Things Connected with Dr. Julie, where we continue the conversation. So watch for more information on the codes for healthy earth in the weeks to come. The codes not only inspire and cultivate peace with all of life, they have the unique potential to contribute significantly to our collective pathway forward. May they support the growing global movement of citizens uniting in service of a thriving world for all of life. You can learn more about the codes at codes.earth. Again, that's www.codes.earth. Also find more of Shelly's work at togetherincreation.org. You'll find so much more about Shelly and all the amazing work she's doing on the planet. So welcome back to the second half, Shelly. Thank you, Julie. You're welcome. And you know, we were talking, you dropped in the idea of meaning when we're talking about sharing our gifts and talents forward for the good of the whole. And oftentimes in our consciousness, there becomes this disconnect. Like I can share my talents with my family. I can share my talents with, with the community and volunteer. But oftentimes we don't think of how just essential our gifts and talents organically help mutually nourish the whole. So we oftentimes disconnect. We see this huge issue out there, global crises, whether it's climate or whether it's, um, good grief, there's so many that we could respond to right now, but we, we see these big issues in the world and say, well, 
what am I going to do? How, do? how does my gift or talent contribute to that? And I think we need to bring that back down to those that basics of, of that co-evolution conversation that we're talking about of how fundamental each and every one of us is, just like the different cells in a body, the different organs in the human body. That's what we're talking about. So I'd love to hear your wisdom, Shelley, as we bring this conversation um, to contributing our gifts and our talents in mutual nourishment with the whole. What does that practically look like? How do we fill that gap when we say, it's not helping the whole, it's just helping my family, or it's not helping the whole, it's just helping my business. And it is a different mindset and a different mentality that we need to cultivate here. So here I would kind of nudge the conversation in a direction of thinking about not only our unique talents as individuals, but our unique talents as groups, as mm-hmm. organs of the body, particular organs, whether we, um, and even as a species. So it's uh, it's a question that we ask at different levels of connectedness on the individual level. And then there's also a kind of a, a question around what where does my unique talent fit into the collective function? Is it an artistic talent? Is it a, um, you know, is it an agricultural, um, is it an educational one? Is it a, a healing one? And uh, when you think of yourself as part of a larger organ of individuals who are working towards the same aim, and we begin to find each other and ask these questions uh, in in groups, in collectives, um, then we begin to notice that even within our group of healers or of educators or of whatever uh, field of stewardship we're interested in, um, we start to locate ourselves uh, more in the system as a whole. It becomes less lonely and it becomes more efficient. So what we're really talking about um, is the um, how does how does the vitality code serve at these different levels of our collective, and even as a uh, unique principle in how we govern ourselves, how we organise ourselves as a species? How does this, uh, if we really understand, and if I can go for a moment into governance, that as we spoke about last week, that the only purpose of governance is to contribute to protect and cultivate the health and vitality of the planet and all its inhabitants for generations to come, then how does the vitality code inform the way in which we organize ourselves? And so it's really having this conversation also in terms of what does education look like Mm. in order to serve the vitality code and be informed by the vitality code. What would it mean to have the vitality code as a organizing principle for the economy, for law, for media? What does it mean to put this question of, you know, how do we as a sector or as a profession or as a discipline, um, how does, the, how does this, the vitality code inform the way we think about our unique talents, skills, and um, identities, not only as individuals, but as collectives. Mm. Shelley, that's brilliant. Um, 
like landing this into the conversation of sectors, I think is a really important piece. Barbara Marks Hubbard calls it the wheel of co-creation. And the, the wheel has these different sectors on there. And when you see it as a whole, um, you can see the interdynamic um, brilliance of what happens when we begin to not only like adopt the vitality code at the center of all these sectors so that they literally become an expression, a living expression of it. It's kind of like each sector becomes one of the organs or the systems within the physical body. And then you see yourself as a cell within that sector, bringing that, but organized around that vitality code. And then all of a sudden they interact, they intermingle, they communicate, they literally create a much richer dynamic living system when we see everything organized around the vitality code is is that kind of how you see this absolutely and so you know um this this is i sense the most natural way of organizing and so it's re-encoding the system in a way that remembers this original code so by putting this idea out into the system as a core organizing question you can imagine the kind of creativity and uh, discoveries that can emerge from these discussions. And as we begin to look at all of ourselves as parts of greater wholes and of greater wholes, and also finding ourselves, you know, we may have different functions. We may, you know, uh, as a mother, as a teacher, as a leader, whatever, in, in a specific field, we belong to these different holons. And each holon that we belong to uh, asks this question. So it's, it's, it's a multiplicity of, um, of pieces within ourselves working together as well. I'm, I'm not sure if that makes full sense, but the idea is really that within each of our roles, we can ask this question. Mm. Um, and on the governance level, which I think is really what we're looking at at the moment is this crisis of governance and this crisis of economy when we are working with a system that doesn't really create value. It takes value. It, it eats without uh, giving back. It, it, it is nourished without nourishing. We get to see what, happen, you know, what happens with uh, what you mentioned earlier, how the, bottle, the bottling companies, the water companies are actually producing bottles and selling bottles. They don't produce water and they don't nourish the system. They are extracting and leaching off it in a way that really undermines everyone. So here we are with a vitality code which is infusing the system with a different organizing principle where each part can then ask, what is that uh, give and take? What are the consequences of the decisions that we take as individuals, as a family, as a community, as an organization, and as a species? And this consequence-based understanding of our actions, the insistence on really looking at the flow of energy in the system. Where does this energy come from? And what happens to it as it moves through me? Do I enrich it or do I deplete it? Um, so we're giving, uh, you, this is like offering a different um, vibrational language. It's an energetic language because everything is really energy. And we don't talk the language of energy. We don't talk the language of vibration. We don't talk the language of um, of, of uh, 
the real nourishment, the, the, hello? Yeah, I can hear you. Uh, yeah, sorry. Yeah. So we don't really talk the language of nourishment. And when you think about nourishment, it's a very energetic vibrational language. When you eat different colored foods, they have a different impact on your body. And when we corrupt the food cycle, as we do with the way in which we produce food through trauma to animals, through um, sugars, through artificial contaminants, through monoagriculture, we are actually attacking the very foundations of life. So to bring back this concept, this code of mutual nourishment and invite conversations and, organ and organizing principles around nourishment, re re Connecting with that foundational life concept to me is a, a very exciting and valuable contribution to the thinking at the moment of how we organize ourselves and govern ourselves in a way that is different from the systems that we have created and that have caused the, the stress and the devastation that we're seeing now. Mm. Okay, so you you brought in a word, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to follow up with the idea of energy. And I know I've heard you use the words exquisite efficiency, that we can create this mutually nourishing system that has exquisite efficiency. And so when we talk about energy management, we're really looking at how do we develop this deeply cooperative, efficient, life-enriching energy management in the system. And I think you've already answered this by looking at that reciprocity and not that leeching mindset that we have. But can you speak more about the energy man management and how literally we can create, I love your words, exquisite efficiency? Uh, yeah, that exquisite efficiency of nature where nothing is waste. Um, yeah. And how do we mimic that? How do we learn from that? How do we remember that? Uh, so it's really um, looking at how energy moves through the system. We have been trained to look at the finite, at the um, at the things, rather than at the things and the process between those actions or those uh, entities. And so this process language makes us look at where things come from and how they move through the system. And then the questions that we ask is, as discerning questions for all decision-making processes is one, what is the impact on the system of our decision? The long-term effect also, I mean, as far as seven generations, because we are not only interconnected in space, we're also interconnected in time to past and future. And we ask ourselves, um, where, where do we actually invest energy? in the most beneficial ways. So for instance, if we're discerning something, what gives the most benefit, what, what gives most benefit to the whole is a key discerning question. And when we talk about the whole, we're talking about bringing in the voice of the stakeholders, bringing in the awareness of the stakeholders to all our, uh, to all our decisions. So if we're looking at benefit, we really have to look at the benefit of all the non-human stakeholders that we're that are involved in it as well now and for future generations. So this um, this efficiency is really about learning how to identify what are the most efficient solutions, what are the most efficient ways of organizing ourselves. And efficient 
includes the impact of um, not only what we do, but how we do it. The energy with which we are investing, you can do something efficiently, but when it's not kind and when it's when it hurts something in the process, it's going to create more problems later. So the efficiency comes with also the energetic quality with which we invest our actions, um, knowing that when we invest our actions with love and kindness and consideration and self-awareness and awareness of the other, the chances are that those um, actions will create benefit for the whole. And when we do it from a different place, we are likely to spend a lot of time cleaning up the mess. So efficiency is also about that, um, the quality of relationship that is involved in those actions. Mm. Uh, there's so much to this conversation, Shelly. I'm just like shaking my head like, oh my gosh, I want to ask you this. I want to ask you this because like what just occurred to me listening to you which I hope this is what every listener can like feel and experience this emergence coming forward is that quite literally it is my responsibility today and every day to ask myself how my life, my actions, my um, contributions affect my relationship with pure water, affect my relationship with clean air, affect my relationship with healthy soil. It's like it's dropping this into this embodied sense of relationship. And I think that's the most important word probably that's going to come out of this whole hour conversation is mm -hmm. if we really understand that this is about our personal relationship with vitalizing food, with comfortable shelter, with, 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 you know, as we're looking at the web of life, it's not that those corporations out there have to change. So my health and vitality is assured for life to come. It really does bring it home into personal relationship. Yeah, it is our personal relationship with everything that we encounter um, and understanding the hidden consequences of how we relate. Um, it's bringing consequence-based thinking into the picture. And it's not only about our personal relationship. It's also taking responsibility for our tribes relationship. Mm. It's taking responsibility for our species relationship with all of nature. So it's not, it's about also aligning the personal well-being with the collective well-being. And when you say to yourself, um, my personal well-being for right now looks like I need this and this and this immediately. I want it now. Or you say, um, what are the consequences of this to the larger system? And then what are the consequences of that back to myself? You realize that when you engage with a system from a place of selfishness and lack of awareness, that actually comes right back at you. You make, you know, um, fill your house uh, with lots of um, stuff, but ultimately 
that is going to impact what comes back at you at some time or another, or at least your children. And that's what we're seeing now. So it's it's really aligning that uh, self um, benefit with the benefit of the whole. And that's the interesting question to 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 play with, I think. Yeah, the benefit of the whole and like thinking, you know, we talk at Good of the Whole, we talk about living, nurturing our capacity to live for the good of the whole. It's a whole different mindset. And, you you know, we've talked about mindset here and you also talk about transforming mindsets that entail addressing the complexity of not only like you mentioned, our individual and collective layers of social conditioning. But this is really our the stories we tell ourselves, the mythology, the archetypes, the everything that we have created our current understanding of our planet right now needs to be realigned, needs to be redesigned, needs to come back to a whole different story yes. that we're telling ourselves. Yeah. yeah, say more about that. <laughs> um, well, this this preoccupies me a lot. Is I often think about what would the world look like without advertising, mm-hmm. um, without the conditioning as to what we think we need and what we really need, and before we are kind of um, uh, poisoned with the sugar that is um, sold to us in the system that really upsets our ability to engage uh, in, a, in a clear way with the world around us. You know, all of everything that we put in our body impacts our, our, our ability to resonate directly with nature and with the world around us. It clouds our vision. It contaminates the natural processes of life. So when we start to imagine what life would look like without all the contaminants, in the air, in the food, in the water. And we tend to think, what would I be drawn towards? We'll see that it's so much simpler and that um, this is a very, very deep evolutionary process that we need to go through at the moment. And it's already happening. People are voluntarily pulling away from the grid. People are voluntarily moving towards simpler lifestyles where they can actually contribute and feel more vitalized by a deep relationship with other people and with nature. And the shift is already happening. And I think that um, the corporations are beginning to feel it. Um, and this is, this is the nexus at the moment of these two mindsets, the mindset that is really built on consumerism and power and uh, self-interest and, and the mindset that is emerging a, which is which has a clearer vision, which is saying that that doesn't work, and there is something beneath all of this noise that is emerging from the system that is showing a different path. And I would say that that path is really about this mutual nourishing relationship with all that we engage in and being able to develop more of a self-awareness and an awareness of the whole so that these relationships become clearer to us. Mm. And so in, thank you. Yes, yes. And um, in like two minutes or so, two to three minutes, I would love for you to talk about the importance of detoxing the system right now. Because I think mm-hmm. we can't move forward without really cleaning up our mess. How do we do that? Well, I think um, this is one of the questions that um, we ask ourselves a lot is how do we 
organized to detox the system because it has to be done in multiple uh, through multiple channels simultaneously, um, which means that we have to activate the entire system that are ready to do the work to work in coherence with each other. So the educators need to educate for it. The, um, the uh, technology people need to come together to understand how to use technology for the good of the whole rather than uh, as a uh, manipulating tool. Um, the uh, the uh, farmers need to really uh, come together and understand how to go back to, to uh, the core purpose of their um, um, of their calling. So what, what I'm saying is, how do we how do we do this? We work simultaneously to actually outlaw any information in the system that is that goes against life, and that is um, uh, information on the basis of chemical information, chemical toxins, information uh, that uh, comes at us as uh, as noise, as um, conditionings, as agendered uh, ideas that have a power agenda and a profit agenda behind them. And we work together to ask, we, we, we uh, create councils and um, assemblies and uh, discussion groups online and offline to ask these questions and to figure it out. And there are many, many answers. And one of the things that uh, Jan Golding, my partner and co-initiator in the codes uh, for the Healthy Earth and in Together Creation are really working on is to create uh, a community infrastructure where we can ask these questions, access and showcase the best solutions and, and, and organize together to surface them and to implement them as a coherent living system where we're all seeing each other, finding each other and bringing our tools to do that, process, that detox process. Um, and it really means understanding, following, uh, following the money, it means uh, really questioning our entire belief systems and it means following leaders who actually are at the moment marginalized but hold many of the answers. Uh, those are the people who have been really stewarding uh, this vibrational accuracy with uh, of right relationship with all that is. It's the um, uh, it's the indigenous uh, peoples, it's the uh, ecological stewards, it's the um, caretakers of people and planet that are really working in a uh, in a, a way that is aligned with the good of their whole and with their unique calling. Mm. Shelley, thank you. It, it has been a delight to have you back and to talk about this really important organizing principle for all of us. So thank you so much for joining us again. Thank you so much, Julie, for the opportunity to share this. It feels like such a, um, a blessing to be able to uh, engage with you in this way around whole system healing and health and, and talk about it in, in such a creative way and serviceful way. Mm, beautiful. So I'm going to remind you, listeners, if you want to find out more about the Vitality Code and about the Codes for Healthy Earth, go to codes.earth and togetherincreation.org. I want to leave you with this thought. When we adopt the vitality code as the organizing principle for our local and global communities, from the personal to the planetary, we begin to ask many new questions that in turn catalyze ripples of rich inquiry 
and creativity throughout our collective intelligence. The shared commitment to following the vitality code rather than any leader, organization, or ideology generates an exciting process of co-creative discovery, nourishing to all human and non-human inhabitants of our shared home. This process of aligning around the vitality code to learn with life and for life in turn ensures the best of all possible futures for all. You've been listening to the Dr. Julie Show, All Things Connected. Remember, together we are creating connections for the good of the whole. Until next time, I'm sending you a world of love. Bye for now.